two generations. One passion. This is Generation Red. Welcome back, Husker fans, to another episode of Generation Red, the kettle corn of Husker fan podcasts, which feature your favorite father and son combo. My name is Ken. I am your host. And I am Scott, your other host. And together, we have just the right combination of sweet and salty. And hopefully today, we won't be too salty because it was a lot more fun editing last week's episode without having to add any bleeps. <laughs> but I had to subtract <laughs> a heck of a lot of coughs, so that kind of sucked. But at the same time, I thought it came out pretty good. And uh, yeah. today we're going to do a preview of Wisconsin. We're going to also give you our latest six-pack picks of the week, our fun facts, and all that fun stuff that you could expect from a preview show but before we do any of that, let's talk a little bit about what happened on Saturday. Obviously, Nebraska didn't play, so hey, they won the bye week for the second bye week in a row, which is pretty cool. Um, I watched a few games. I did not watch a lot of our next opponent. Number one, I don't like to see what we have ahead of us. Number two, I knew they were good, uh, but I decided to watch a couple of games that I thought might have something to do with future coaches at the NU on the NU offensive staff, I watched Baylor beat Oklahoma and Oklahoma State absolutely kill TCU, which was a lot of fun because both teams run that spread offense that Frost likes to run, uh, but they both emphasize downhill running game and a lot of read option. So I'm not sure if Nebraska is going to continue running that RPO stuff with Martinez or whoever the future quarterback is going to be next year, but it was fun to watch a team that did it well. And two teams actually that did it well and had really good offensive lines that were able to move dudes off the ball to open up holes. So Baylor OU, Oklahoma State TCU were the two games I really enjoyed. Um, I know you didn't watch a whole lot. You had other stuff going on. Uh, but in the meantime, <clears throat> Nebraska did name their interim coaches uh, this last week. Uh, running backs coach will be Ron Brown. For the rest of the season, and quite frankly, I'm secretly hoping whoever the new offensive coordinator is will be all on board with having Ron Brown be the running backs coach, because the last time Nebraska had any consistency at running back was when he was running the show. Uh, three names, Roy Hallou, Rex Burkhead, Amir Abdullah. Enough said. I think Ron Brown is perfectly qualified for the spot. Offensive line coach will be the offensive analyst, Frank Verducci, which... Hey, with a name like Verducci, he sounds like an offensive line coach, or at least a dude that's going to serve those guys a lot of spaghetti, <laughs> which maybe that's what they need. <laughs> Wide receivers are coached by Mike Casano. Hey, you know, <laughs> maybe he's going to cook a few meatballs too. Who knows? And then quarterback's coach will be Steve Cooper, the uh, offensive quality control coach. Have no 
freaking clue what that means, but uh, apparently he's good with quarterbacks. So, and I'm assuming off Frost is going to be the offensive coordinator for the rest of the year. What do you think of that, Scott? What do you think of those interims? Uh, do you think maybe this offense will be at least able to function simply because these guys have been in the program just as long as Frost and the rest of the guys that Frost fired has been here? Yeah, first first thing I want to say, first and foremost, is that I don't know and I haven't looked into three of the interim coaches, which is Frank Verducci, Mike Casano, and Steve Cooper. I don't know anything about any of them, um, so I won't comment on them. Uh, but specifically Ron Brown, um, I'm curious to see if – Frost ends up hiring him as the full-time running backs coach. I, I would actually be pretty happy if he did that Um, with uh, Ryan held coming to Nebraska with Scott Frost from UCF. um, I thought that was, uh, I don't know. I don't know what I thought of that to be honest. Uh, But with Ron Brown, you can clearly tell. I mean, Ron Brown has had a part of this program, has been a part of this program for decades, like yep. forever. And even in the smallest ways that he could find himself with the players, helping them, coaching them along, whether it was with life as their uh, – oh, what what was that role that he had? What was that called? Is that I like think it was the, director uh, of player personnel when he first came back. Yes, that's that's what it was. Um, and then, yeah, being an offensive analyst, clearly he has a heart uh, for the Cornhuskers. And like you said, Roy Hallou, um, uh, uh, Rex Burkhead, and Amir Abdullah, like those are probably the greatest running backs that I've had as my generation to witness on on our offense. So. I actually really hope that he ends up getting the full-time position. That's pretty much all I'm going to say. Um, if he doesn't, whatever. Um, but, I mean, shoot, if we just see in these two games something out of our running back room that we haven't seen this whole season, I mean, we've seen some good things this season. I'm not going to lie. We've seen some good things, but we've mm-hmm. also seen some head scratchers, some some weird stuff that, you know, you could point at the players, but maybe it was just coaching that was messing them up. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what kind of lays itself out here in the future. But I think of all of these uh, interims, Ron Brown is probably the most exciting of all of them. So that's just kind of my thought on it. But yeah, I didn't watch. I didn't watch a single football game this weekend. <laughs> I spent about three and a half, four hours uh, cleaning out and setting up my garage that I haven't done since I moved here. Um, so I finally got that squared away, which was nice. It feels good to actually have a garage that I can work in now and not just have everything strung about with bikes in the way and and right. <laughs> all of my shelving, <laughs> my disassembled shelving that's just all in the way. And so I was doing that and then uh, watching a bunch of movies and hanging out with my wife who is sick. She's actually at the doctor right now um, getting checked out to see if she's got COVID. Um, so we, uh, you know, we're, we've just been hanging out this whole weekend. And you know what? I kind of wanted to just rest myself from watching football. Um, 
Yeah, there were some good games. There were some good games, like you labeled out. Um, but I have no input, so there we go. <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, it was something else. I mean, good God, the Big 12 alone was just loaded with some fun games and some fun results. I tweeted this the other night. At, uh, the, in the Big 12 alone today, OU loses to Baylor, who lost to TCU last week. And they just got their doors blown off by Oklahoma State. And then some Texas Tech kicker drills a 62-yard walk-off field goal to beat Iowa State. Meanwhile, Kansas beats Texas in one overtime on a two-point conversion in Austin. I mean, it was a crazy week in the Big 12. It was so much fun to watch. Um, I kind of secretly miss the Big 12. I really do. I did see the uh I did see that field goal and that 62 yarder and dude that was insane cuz if you watch it he could have made it from 66 yeah. he could have made it from 67 I mean it was he had more than enough room and it was straight it was just it, it was, was crazy. down the middle yep yep so. it was it was awesome Uh so now that we've kind of talked about the interim coaches that are on staff I heard earlier this week on I think it was Hale Varsity I don't remember for sure, uh, but somebody had mentioned on, on one of the podcasts I listened to that do not be surprised if by Iowa week or right before the Iowa game, if there isn't an announcement that Nebraska has hired an offensive coordinator. And here's why. Uh, the reason these guys were let go so early is because coaches can hit the road on November 28th to do in-home visits before the December what is it, 15th, something like that, early signing day, yeah, so that these yep. guys can get out there. The best thing that we could do is make sure we have those offensive coaches hired by November 28th, and the first piece that has to fall needs to be that offensive coordinator. So I would not be surprised to see us have an offensive coordinator hired before the Iowa game. Granted, he's probably not going to coordinate the offense that day, which is fine. Uh, but, um, just knowing who that guy is and knowing that he can get out there on the road and he can let his recruits know, here's who's coming with me or whatever. And maybe we'll have the other three guys hired as well, which would be awesome. Um, I don't know. What do you think of that? Do you think that that's a, a realistic expectation that we could have an offensive coordinator and hopefully the other two or three coaches in place to get out there and recruit by November 28th? Um, if I were to just look at it from an objective and a speculative, uh, standpoint, I would say the sooner we hire an offensive coordinator, the better, um, that tells, that tells me that we didn't just can a bunch of guys and then just suddenly ran around the country, just, just trying to (laughs) like scavenge for some, some piece to the puzzle of our offense. Um, right. if, if we were to hire one right around the Iowa kind of timeline, that would tell me that maybe Frost had something planned out like a, a plan B, you know, halfway through the season. Um, basically, basically in, in his own world, he thought, you know what? At the end of this season, if we are not being as productive as, I think we should be. Um, I need to have a plan laid out that I'm going to be firing these people for these reasons 
if these positions aren't playing like they're supposed to. You know, let's say our offensive line was doing great this year, then I would assume that Greg Austin would still have his job. But obviously, none of those things happened. So Frost had to fire all four of them. And I have a feeling that in his little notebook, you know, like coaches tend to have their little notebook of contacts of people they know, people that they trust, people that they think are uh, admirable. Um, I I would hope that from the day that the they announced that those coaches were fired, Frost had already been making phone calls. Um, and if we get an offensive coordinator right away, that would that would make my anxiety for the future of our team go down um, just simply because we've got to get these pieces in place as soon as possible. Yes, sir. But not in a rushed manner. I, I don't mean rush. I mean, we need to make a concise, quick, like sensible decision. And who that offensive coordinator is going to be, I don't know. There's a lot of names that are being thrown out right now um, across all sorts of sources of media. But whoever it is, I hope to God that what it was was, here are all the guys we're firing. These four guys, bam, they're out. I've already been on the phone. I already had somebody fly out, did an interview um, across multiple guys and this is the guy we're picking here you go have 1.7 million dollars to be our offensive coordinator i don't know if that's a realistic number but uh bam they already have it figured out they're just getting the paperwork sorted out that's what i hope is happening right now that there's already a guy and and they're just working out all of the all of the the contracts and all that fun stuff so that's what i hope that was kind of a long-winded answer to that um but the sooner the better that's pretty much to sum it up as soon as possible and with good uh, framework behind their decision, I guess is pretty much what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, you could, you can take a little bit of solace in the idea that when Trev Alberts made his first public statement after, after uh, talking about the restructuring of Frost's contract, one of the things he mentioned at that time was that Scott had laid out a very detailed and comprehensive plan for how the program was going to move forward. Now, ah. I'm pretty sure some details that were involved in that conversation were, here's who the guys I've contacted, and here's who I think is going to get here. Here's who I think will be part of my new staff. So, um, and maybe he, maybe the restructuring wasn't just about punishing frost for not doing very well but instead frost going you know what i don't need five million a year next year i need an extra million to pay this guy to come in and run my damn offense okay yes so that's kind of where i'm at on it and uh yeah i'm i'm really excited to see what's coming next um i'm not pissed off unlike one of the members of the husker cuz cast i don't know if you heard their latest episode but holy freaking smokes dude the ears were smoking on on all oh, three yeah. ends of that conversation, <laughs> and it was oh, enjoyable yes. to listen to. It really was. I, I learned some new perspective. I learned I learned that I I didn't realize that Scott Frost was was the benefactor of uh, white Nebraska privilege, but apparently one of the cousins thought so. But you know, it was a good show. It really was. It was good to hear the different perspectives. It was also good to hear one of them just go, "You're full of." Shit. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, uh, dang it. Now I've got to add a bleep. Um, and I was trying to be bleep free tonight, but, um, that pretty much, I think ends the opening segment. Don't you think? I think we've kind of talked it to death and I think we need to move on to what hopefully will not be a slaughter in Camp Randall. Yep. Nope. I don't got any other input. I just, uh, keeping my fingers crossed, looking forward. Yes, sir. All right. Let's talk about Wisconsin. All right, Husker Nation. So this Saturday at Camp Randall at 2.30 p.m. Central Standard Time, uh, we are going to essentially have probably one of the most important games of the season to cap off the rest of our season with only two games left on our slate, which is Wisconsin and Iowa, obviously. But this is going to be, in my opinion, one of the uh, most important of the two. I mean, as much as I want to beat Iowa, as much as I would love to cap off our season with a dub, I think that this game is going to be setting the tone uh, going into 2022, if we can play a good game against Wisconsin, then that that gives me good hopes that we haven't lost our players' confidence in our team as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, so, looking at Vegas, the over/under right now is 42. Wisconsin is favored by 10 and a half points, and for good reason. 10 and a half points is. Uh, it's it's probably what it's going to end up being, in my opinion, but this is going to be a battle, 100%. A battle of two formidable defenses, Wisconsin having essentially a number one ranked defense across the board. Uh, I mean, if you look at it, passing their number two in the nation, which is essentially mm-hmm. <laughs> number one at this point, besides, I think, it, would it be Georgia who's number one in the passing defense? I would assume. I think I, so. Yeah. I would. I would bet. But then they're surpassing Georgia with their total defense and the rushing defense. Uh, so our defense is going to need to show up and play pretty much an even match with their defense. Obviously, they're not playing each other. But if we have any, if we have any shot, we need to shut down Graham Mertz and company, and especially their running back room with uh, Braylon Allen. There's just a lot of things that we are going to need to do right. And I think first and foremost, we need to talk about the offense. Um, We are going to look at the 2021 stat comparison between Wisconsin and Nebraska. And yeah, just right, right out of the gate. I just want to say that we absolutely positively need to figure out a red zone woes. Yep. Um, going into this because if you look at our offensive statistics we're not that bad we're actually pretty good we have a top 25 total offense we have a top 25 rushing offense um we have a uh shoot nope as you were that's them i i misread it uh we do not have a top 25 rushing offense we have top 35 rushing offense and uh yeah we have a top 35 passing offense like that is those stats should should have equated into at least a 500 season this year and it just hasn't and it's because our red zone proficiency is awful we are yep. terrible we are like the worst in the nation 
for red zone productivity. Um, but yeah, do you just want me to start off on all of these uh, offensive stats? Yep, jump into the stats on the offense, and then uh, we'll talk about them a little bit. All right, so first thing we need to check off of the list here in comparison is our total offensive production. Right now, Nebraska is 16th in the nation with yards per game average, which we average 459 yards a game. If somebody would have told me going into this season we were going to have the 16th ranked offensive production, I would have thought we would have had eight wins easily, but we don't. Um, but then if you compare that to Wisconsin, they are 78th in the nation with 390 yards per game. And they have uh, the which, exact opposite total record. They're seven and three. We're three and seven. Go figure. Yes. That's it, red zone. Yes. It's one of those, it's one of those statistical anomalies that you just kind of scratch <laughs> your head against. Like, what are, what are we doing here? And honestly, Wisconsin's total offense wouldn't be all that great. It would be even worse if it wasn't for their breakout freshman running back, Braylon Allen, which we will talk about him later when we talk about players to look for. Uh, But then if you look at their passing offense, once again, Wisconsin is pretty bad. They are 117th in the nation with only 163 yards average per game compared to our 265 yards average per game which, I mean, 265 yards isn't that bad, but it still puts us in the top 35. We're 34th in the country with our passing offense. Mm -hmm. But then you go to the rushing comparisons here. Wisconsin has essentially a top 10 rushing offense. They they have 227 yards average out per game. That puts them 11th in the country versus Nebraska which we are 34th in the nation with 194 yards per game, Uh, which kind of surprises me. I didn't, I didn't think that we had as good of a rushing game, but honestly, if you were to uh, take Martinez's rushing proficiency out of the equation, I were, I doubt we even peak into the top 50. Um, I top 60, top 70. I don't know where we would be at. Somebody should probably, uh, Somebody's probably already done those stats. Honestly, I bet you the Husker Cuzcast has probably looked at that already. Who knows? Because um, they're, yeah. they're pretty good with those kind of uh, kind of analytics type thing. But, uh, but then if you look at scoring, our average points per game, we're pretty, we're pretty uh, even uh, with Nebraska versus Wisconsin. Uh, we get a 62nd ranked scoring offense with about 28 and a half yards per game that we average out points which yeah. yes oh what did i say you said yards <laughs> oh my bad uh yeah 28 and a half points per game versus the 26.2 points per game that wisconsin averages out and that puts us at 62nd in the nation and they are 79th in the nation uh once again if you were to take out fordham and you were to take out Northwestern, our scoring proficiency goes down quite a bit. Uh, But regardless, you know, we're pretty even, evenly matched there. Uh, But then time of possession, which has kind of killed a lot of our games with our offense's inability to stay on the field and drive down the field. We are 63rd in the nation 
which I mean, if you really look at it, it's it's a it's basically a, a 50-50. We average out about 30 minutes, exactly 30 minutes, 30 minutes and one second time of possession versus Wisconsin's where they average out 34 minutes and 40 seconds, putting them seventh mm-hmm. in the nation with time of possession. So they clearly have the ability to hold on to the ball take their offense and just grind out a long drive even if it doesn't yep. result in points they take they they beat you down they they work on those body shots but yeah mm-hmm. if you look at if you compare offense it's one of those things that you just scratch your head with our inability to win games with how decent our offense has played this year um but yeah, what do you think of the uh, offensive stats? On paper, Nebraska should be 7 and 3 too. Just like Wisconsin, we should be two teams going into this game 7 and 3, both of us ranked by our numbers. But when you don't score like you should, even though we're still scoring 2 points per game, 2 and a half points per game more than Wisconsin. Uh it's just it's absolutely baffling. Um, but Wisconsin gets the job done when it matters. And that's usually, like I said, time of possession. They're ranked seventh in the country in time of possession. We're ranked 63rd, but we still score two and a half points more per game. Thank God for Northwestern and Fordham. Cause otherwise we're probably sitting at 18 to 20 points a game that we're scoring at this point on average. So, um, Yeah. But once we start looking at the defensive numbers, I think we can understand why they're seven and three and we're three and seven. Even though our defense has really carried us this year, it just couldn't quite get that last stop necessary to beat teams like Oklahoma, Michigan State, and Michigan, uh, and even Ohio State, really. I mean, we held them to 26 points, which I think is the Second lowest point total we've held a top five team to, because I think Oklahoma scored 23. Um, Yeah. 32 is what Michigan scored. And um, 23 is also what Michigan State scored. So uh, best offense basically in the country we held to 26 points. So that's my hope going into Wisconsin, even though the numbers between the two teams don't indicate that we should be able to hold them to that. Because uh, in defense, in total defense, Wisconsin is at 216.3 yards per game. They're ranked number one in the country in total defense. We are ranked 53rd in the country at 363.1 yards per game. Which tells me we could be in for a long day. Or we're going to focus so much on Braylon Allen that uh, Graham Mertz might actually figure out how to be a quarterback. But we'll see. Um, because their passing sucks. 155.7 yards per game. Um, or no, on defense, they're great, but, uh, 163 yards a game on offense, they suck. But dang, they're good at stopping the pass. So they're ranked second in the country at 155.7 yards per game. We're 64th in the country, giving up 230.6 yards per game. That's indicative of the style of defense that Eric Schneider likes to play, which is that bend don't break. We'll give you all you want between the twenties, but once you get down toward the end, we're going to hold you to three or less. That's just kind of 
kind of where we're at. Uh, rushing yards per game, Nebraska gives up 132.5, which is good for 39th in the country. The only problem is, with the revolving door of starting running backs going up against a Wisconsin defense, it only gives up 60.2, which is ranked number one in the country. Uh, I, I don't, even with Ron Brown coaching those running backs, I know they're going to run angry this weekend, and I have a feeling you might see a lot more of Marquis Stepp and the other bigger guys like Yant and whatnot running the ball this week against that defense, but I just don't know. Those guys are so flipping good at stopping the run, though they really haven't played probably anything close to a decent rushing offense yet this year. Um, so, yeah, that's what I've got for defensive numbers. What do you think? Yeah, when I'm looking at the defensive numbers, it's it's one of those other anomalies. Like you said, Eric Shenander has the bend, don't break kind of uh, coaching philosophy. However, I think what skews our numbers to be basically at best the 39th ranked uh, like in, in any area, the best ranking that we have defensively is a mm-hmm. rushing game, which is 39th. And then you've got 64 ranked passing and you've got 53rd ranked total defense. I think what skews those numbers a bit is once again, pointing the finger at the offense. They've consistently put our defense in bad positions Yes, sir. that I think for a mental psyche of an opposing team, it's way easier to open up your playbook when you only have 60 yards or less driving down the field due to some offensive error versus a full 70, 80 yard, 90 yard field. Yeah. Uh, And so, yeah, you kind of have that bend, don't break mentality, but shoot, it's got to be motivating for a lot of offenses that we've played against where they get really good field position a lot of the time. Uh, But yes, uh, you look at Wisconsin's schedule, and yes, their rushing defense is ranked number one, but if we're looking across the board here, uh, the only teams that they've played that have any sort of uh, like rushing attack that they have they have had to go up against, they played Army, which they won that game twenty to fourteen. Army is obviously that triple option type mm-hmm. threat. Um, and Army's been pretty good this year. They're bowl eligible now. So, uh, but then they've played Wisconsin. They've played Michigan, which they lost that game thirty-eight to seventeen. And I mean, I, I'm not looking at the stats of Michigan, but I'm going to guess that their rushing game was probably not at its fullest at that point. Um, and then they've yeah they've played Notre Dame and Penn State. Those are the only teams that could possibly have a good rushing offense to go against their defense. But otherwise, yeah, they haven't played anybody that has a good rushing offense thus far. But it's not going to – that's not to say that they're going to play a good rushing offense with Nebraska. Because, (laughs) uh, I mean, we've had – we've seen some shining moments with Ramir Johnson and and Jacques Yant, but for – for what we have, we have very little to show for it. Um, and with Martinez being still injured with a broken jaw and a high sprain, uh, high ankle sprain, uh, I don't know if he's going to pose any threat to those inside linebackers right? Uh, and outside linebackers and, their, of course, their defensive line. I mean, dude, it's just – oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what 
what we're going to do to skew those numbers um, in our favor. But yeah, it's pretty intimidating to look at a number one, number two, and number one ranked uh, defense from those three areas of right of uh, segments or whatever you want to call them. So yeah, man, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do for that. Well, you're right. I mean, it's going to be an interesting game. It's going to be interesting to see what our offensive line with somebody coaching them for the first time can do against that defensive line. I looked at their stats on the defensive line. They're not stellar. They're not stellar. Um, so we can probably move those guys off the ball a little bit. The issue is dealing with those two inside linebackers that you and I have both put as our players to watch on defense for Wisconsin. Those guys are, those guys are good at tackling. No ifs, ands, or buts. So, uh, but moving on from the defense, uh, let's take a look at special teams because these teams both kind of suck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's just there's just no ifs, ands, or buts uh, for a team in Wisconsin that used to have uh, you know Aaron Crookshank who returned a punt on us in Lincoln back in 2019, which really swung a lot of momentum in that game. Um, he's not there. They're not doing all that much on kick returns or punt returns anymore. Uh, their net punting is 39.34 yards per punt, which is 64th in the country. We're not any better. In fact, we're quite a bit worse at 36.95 yards per punt, which ranks us at 101st. But both of us rank in the hundreds when it comes to punt return yardage and kick return yardage. Wisconsin averages 4.71 yards per punt return, which is 112th in the country. Barely beating us out at 2.7 yards <laughs> return, at, which makes us 127th in the country. And then they squeak out, or no, we squeak out on the kick return yardage. We're at 16.33 yard per return. What have we had? Four returns all year. So uh, that puts us at 119th and they get 14.15 yards per return on kicks, which has them ranked two spots above last in the country in uh, FBS at 128th. So, uh, yeah, special teams is likely not going to hurt either team in this, in this particular game. So it's really going to come down to their defense versus our offense. Uh, can they stop NU from getting to that 400 and some odd yards Per game that they've been averaging and can Nebraska hold their rushing defense down to what they have been what Nebraska has been averaging giving up if they're rushing at a 227 yard clip per game and we can hold them to the 132 that Nebraska has been averaging holding teams to we've got a shot mm-hmm. and I think we can do that I really truly think I think with Damian I think with the fact that the defense has been carrying this team all year long because the offense has, quite frankly, sucked swamp water. And still, we've not lost a game by more than nine points. I think this defense might be energized by the fact that they're not going to look down the sideline and see those same four coaches down there. Or that same guy up in the booth trying to figure out how to tell Frost how to call plays. Frost is actually going to run the offense, which might be a good thing. Might be a bad thing. Don't know. Um, but at least, at least this defense knows that the same four guys that have been causing the problems on offense in many ways aren't there anymore. So who knows? They might play a better brand of defense this week. And the offense might just say, 
screw it. Let's just let it all hang out and see what happens. Um, so anyway, that pretty much breaks down the differences between the two teams as far as what we've averaged in stats throughout the season. Why don't we move on to the players to watch on Wisconsin? Um, on offense, we both have the same guy. Why don't you talk about him? Yeah, so <clears throat> obviously hot topic of Wisconsin football right now is their breakout freshman running back Braylon Allen. He is a six foot two, 238 pound, 17 year old running back. Um, <laughs> which I mean, you can also look at Chez uh, Malusi, who has pretty much the same stats that he does with about 50 more carries. But between the two running backs on Wisconsin's offense, they accumulate about 1,650 rushing yards between the two of them. Mm -hmm. But Braylon Allen has 834 yards of rushing with 118 attempts. That averages out to 7.1 yards per carry. He has a long of 70 yards, and he has nine total touchdowns on the season at this point. So kind of what you expect from Wisconsin but haven't seen in recent history to have one of those bruiser backs that just punishes you on every down mm -hmm. um, and can just take chunk yard plays out of the gate out of out of your uh, defensive uh, front and all that stuff I mean this dude is oh, textbook Wisconsin running back um, he looks similar to I, I know that the comparison is always against Derrick Henry if you have a big bruiser back that also can run really quickly and is pretty elusive. I mean, this kid is just if, – if he can avoid injury and he can continue to be as productive as he is this year or exceed his productivity mm -hmm. from this year, he is going to be a scary Big Ten running back in the future. But against Northwestern, he had 25 attempts for 173 yards with a 6.9 average. And he had three total t three total touchdowns, and he had a long run of 37 yards. I mean, yep. first and foremost, our defense needs to be looking at, the, uh, looking at the chalkboard, looking at film, seeing exactly what it is that the, off the offensive line is doing to – give this guy room to work and mm -hmm. try and stop the dang guy. Um, I mean, this is going to be once again, this is going to be like the third, like high caliber running back that we are going to be facing. Uh, aside from, I guess if you want to count the, uh, the guy from Oklahoma, I don't remember his name. It's not Eric Gray. It's the other one. Right. Um, but this is going to be test number three. Obviously, we had Kenneth Walker III with Michigan State. We had uh, Travion Henderson. Um, I th I, actually, I need to correct myself. I've heard everybody call him Trayvon. Um, so I think it's Trayvon Henderson. Um, I've been saying Travion, but whatever. Uh, and then this Braylon Allen kid. I mean, we're going to have to show this kid up and – I believe that Eric Shenander can find a way to stop this guy, but dang, he's <laughs> he could uh he could blow up our defense pretty easily if we don't scheme out our our defense to stop this kid. What do you think? Yep, I think I he's my pick as well as a player to watch simply because uh as as you said, based on the stats, uh the dude is incredible. I mean, 7.1 yard average 
over the course of the season and against Northwestern, he averaged right at 6.9 yards a carry. Um, the kid is an unbelievable 173 yards against Northwestern is no number to sneeze at, even though Northwestern is kind of down. Uh, they played decent defense. Um, dude's hard to tackle. Uh, his yards after contact uh, numbers are ridiculous. I, I haven't exactly looked them up, but when he gets hit, he has an ability like, well, an Amir Abdullah used to have back in the day where he could get small. He could drop his shoulder and he could turn to the side and just kind of glance off of would-be tacklers. And next thing you know, he's 7, 8, 10 yards down the field before two dudes actually bring him down. And he's only 17. Only freaking 17 and 6'2", 238 pounds. And he probably runs what I'm guessing is about a four five forty. I mean, that's Amir Abdullah's speed with Eddie Lacy and um, Derek Henry size. You know, I, I, the kid is just a freak. I'm really hoping we can scheme something up. This game is going to be on Damian Daniels, Ty Robinson, and the middle, uh, the inside linebackers. Uh, Reimer, uh, they better bring their damn lunchbox. <laughs> they better bring their lunchbox <laughs> and their hard hat because it's going to be a slobber knocker. But that's what this defense loves. They loves this. They love this kind of challenge. They loved the challenge of Ohio State last week, knowing full well they were going to run right at them. And they stuffed it and they made, you know, CJ Stroud beat them with their arm. If they can slow Braylon Allen down to the point of where he's in that 120, 100 to 120 yards over the course of the game and Graham Mertz has actually got to do something with his arm, I like our chances. I like our chances. So, uh, defense, you've got, we both have picked a linebacker. Um, mine it happens to be Jack Sanborn. Just because I wanted to pick somebody different than you, because I already picked Braylon Allen like you did. <laughs> and this guy's like second on the team in tackles. So uh, he's a senior at six foot two, 236 pounds. It didn't say necessarily on the one I looked at whether he was an inside or an outside linebacker. I'm assuming at 236, he's inside. Um, but he's got 60 total tackles, 34 of them solo, three sacks, and one fumble recovery. And against Northwestern, he had 10 tackles. And six of them were solo. So both him and your linebacker that you've picked out were both one and two against Northwestern, probably like they've been in every damn game they've played this year. Uh, your linebackers probably led the way, and Sanborn has been right behind him. So uh, I'll be curious to see what we can do with a different offensive line coach uh, and what the tight ends can do to hopefully seal some of these guys off and uh, get our running game going. So who's your guy? So my guy is inside linebacker, and I might botch his name because I tried finding highlight clips of him, and nobody was actually announcing his name that Chanel, I could find. I in my. That's what I thought it was. Um, Leo Chanel. He's a junior. He's six foot two. He weighs two hundred and sixty-one pounds. He's got 81 total tackles on the season, with 41 of those being solo. He has six and a half sacks, three quarterback hurries, 15 tackles for loss, and two forced fumbles. And against Northwestern, most recently, he had 14 total tackles. Nine of them were solo. He got one sack, one quarterback hurry, and three tackles for loss. He is like 
the best defensive player that they have right now. And at that inside linebacker position, uh, he's clearly the run disruptor and basically filling out space uh, Mm -hmm. on, on almost any play that you can give him. Um, He's all over the place. And yeah, like you stated uh, earlier, their defensive line hasn't been all that good. Cause if you actually look at the uh, statistics of Wisconsin, uh, you have to go way down the chart to see tackles from their actual linemen. So clearly, yeah, Jack Sanborn and Leo Chanel are filling in those gaps when necessary to uh, mm-hmm. disrupt the run game, any run game that they've played against. So uh, yeah, he's he looks scary good. We're going to probably get blitzed a lot especially if martinez is injured and they know that he isn't yeah. as mobile as he could be um i would not be surprised if wisconsin sets up a bunch of blitzing packages especially against our offensive line just being a dumpster fire this year um <laughs> yeah so we gotta we gotta look out <laughs> for that um and i'm curious give me give me just a second here i am going to look Look this up. Um, Leo Chanel 40 time. Let's see. Ooh, I don't know if I can find this. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he's a quick dude. Um, his 40 lowest time that he's ever scored is a 4 5. Mm-hmm. At 260. So, at 260 pounds, <laughs> he's running a 4 5, which I do want to update you. Braylon Allen. His forty time is actually a five one. Um, that's out of really? high school. Yes, so he has put on twenty pounds since high school uh, at two hundred fifteen pounds on his recruiting profile. So he's put on well over twenty pounds. And then wow. you look at his uh, his forty time. I'm going to guess it's probably gone down since his uh, national combine in January of twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, but that just shows how I, – I don't mean to get away from the defensive players of the game, but that does show how talented this young kid is if he if he isn't the quickest guy. but He's just good at yards ways. after contact. He just doesn't go down after first contact. Exactly, and that, that yep. does verify your suspicion of that. But it looks like, yeah, Braylon – or not Braylon now. Leo Chanel's 40-time most recent is a 4-6, 4-6, 7-40. Wow. So he <laughs> – and his and his highest, like the the worst forty runtime that he got was a four seven. Mm-hmm. So I mean, this dude is. Uh, we're That's fast a... for two sixty. That's really oh, yeah. fast for two sixty. No doubt about That's it. That's a quick dude. So yep, those are the players we want to watch for going into this game. Why don't we uh, go ahead and predict our scores? So why don't you start that out? What do you think the score is going to be on Saturday? Uh, like I said at the beginning. Of this show, I think this is going to be a really, really hard test for our guys. Um, and as much as I would love for us to come out with a dub, I just don't think it's going to happen. I think we could definitely see our team fizzle out like of momentum going mm-hmm. into this game, especially with the coaching staff changes and everything being flipped upside down with everything mm-hmm. going on on our team, I 
don't really think we stand a chance for these three reasons. I have three reasons. One, we suck after bye weeks. Frost has yet to prove himself to be uh, proficient at getting his guys prepared uh, during a bye week. So just looking at it statistically, we don't have a very good chance of beating them after a bye week. Um, Number two, we have lost almost all of our offensive staff and to include our continuity. Uh, We've got, yes, we've got Ron Brown, Frank Verducci, Mike Casano, Mm -hmm. and Steve Cooper. You know, we got those guys and probably Frost being offensive coordinator. But that completely changes the mental psyche of every player on our team. And that's just going to not bode well for us. I don't think there is, I don't believe in addition by subtraction. So that's just one of those areas that I'm like, what are we even going to look like? I don't foresee it being good, but who knows? And then number three, Wisconsin is getting hotter week by week. And with them being at home, I have a feeling that this will be the worst loss of the year by like the biggest score margin. Uh, Wisconsin just looks great. They started off the season kind of mm-hmm. rough, but they have found their stride. They have culminated something of use with yeah. Graham Mertz, even though he's not the greatest quarterback. He's found ways to make things happen when he needed to. And so I think that we do lose this game. I think Husker Nation is going to go in an uproar. Um, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what Nebraska, what Husker Nation is going to be. Thinking, We're already in an uproar. There's a bunch of people that think this that Frost should be gone right now. So we're already in an uproar. Doesn't matter. Yes, it, it's just going to add fuel to the fire. I guess would be a better metaphor for it. Um, I think Wisconsin wins 31 to 14. Uh, I think when it, once again we are going to find ourselves down in the red zone multiple times, uh, and we yeah. will not score. We won't score, and then on top of that, I we miss a few field goals or something silly like that. Uh, that's just kind of what I'm thinking. It's going to be probably a very painful loss is what I'm expecting, and I think I have good reason to expect that. And goodness gracious, man, like what, what can I do as a Husker fan? This whole season has just been... Well, we should do these things. Well, things should look this way. Well, yeah. I think that we could find a way to to get over ourselves here, and it just doesn't happen. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, Wisconsin 31, Cornhuskers 14. That's what I'm thinking. All righty. Well, I'm a little bit more optimistic. I still, I'm like you, though, I think Wisconsin's going to score 31 points. Uh, but I think Nebraska's going to score a few more. Um my assessment is I think this is the the game that if NU's run defense is going to have a bad game, it would be this one, uh, especially because JoJo Doman is not there at that nickel spot, and he's been great at coming up and filling uh, whenever there's an outside run. So uh, Isaac Gifford needs to bring his lunchbox along with the D-line and the inside backers because this is going to be a fistfight. And the offense, who knows what the coaching changes are going to do. In spite of all that, though, it seems like this team likes a good fist fight. We've seen that all year long. They fought the piss out of OU. They gave Michigan State all they wanted, including not giving up a first down in the entire second half against the best running back in college football. At that time, and what I would consider still 
the best college football running back right now in Kenneth Walker the third. Uh, as you just said, you know, Braylon Allen runs a five one forty. He's not gonna bust free. He might bust a bunch of tackles, but he's not gonna bust free. I predict a closer game going into the fourth quarter, but time of possession is gonna be in Whiskey's favor. And our defense will be a little bit worn down and probably give up a late touchdown to give NU its eighth loss of the season by 10 points, 31 to 21. That's what I'm predicting. So what is your plus minus for the Wisconsin game then? So my plus minus goes in line with the continuity of our offense. Um, Has nothing to do with our offense, though. I mean, it could in theory. But my plus or minus is 10 total penalties thrown on Nebraska. (laughs) Uh, We we have shown uh, over the past few games that penalties have been thrown less and less on us. Um, So that is good. But I just have this feeling with our offense being discombobulated with a different coaching staff taking over that we start to see some jitters, especially going into Camp Randall. Um, So, yeah, plus or minus 10 penalties thrown on Nebraska. I'm actually picking the number. I just want to be risky, as I've been for most of our plus minus games. I think 10 penalties sounds about right. So I'm just going to pick the number. Um, Mm. Yeah, what do you think? I think you're a little bit over with that number. I think Nebraska has done better. I think they're playing more, more disciplined football. Uh, I'm going to go with the minus. I think Nebraska gets probably eight to nine penalties on Saturday. Unfortunately, I think two of them are going to be really critical. So, oh yeah, uh, but it's going to be under 10. So my plus minus is uh, plus minus 41 yards net punting average for Nebraska. Nebraska has been averaging just under 37 yards per punt this season. Uh, but since Pristup has basically won the job, he's averaged right around 41, if not right around 44, 45, somewhere in there. Uh, so I'm going to take, believe it or not, the minus because, uh, I think we're going to punt a lot. I think there's going to be a lot of pressure situations that we're going to be punting in. And I think he's going to shank a couple. So I'm going to go with minus on the 41 yards net punting average for Nebraska. How about you? Yeah, once again, I'm just going to play hardball here. for the biscuit. Exactly. I'm already like pretty behind on the plus minus game against you. So why not, you know, play? I, I could have picked the number, but you picked minus. Um, so I don't want to pick the number. It could be 41.1 yards net <laughs> average or something stupid yeah. like that. Or 41 and a half or something. So I'm picking plus um, just by default um and yeah i have a feeling we're gonna be punting often so if uh if our punter can actually uh not shank the ball i i'm just betting on that that he doesn't shank it because we've seen the leg that that he yeah that he he's can got have, a leg Pristip has but you know let's just see what happens so i'm mm-hmm. picking plus all righty well that wraps up our wisconsin preview segment for this show. We thank you for listening to it. I'm not sure if anything that we said is actually going to come to fruition, but uh, yeah, why don't we move on to our six-pack picks of the week? 
and uh, talk about some games. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. Alrighty, it is time for Gen Red's six-pack picks of the week, where we each pick three games in the top 25 and give you our uh, scores and who wins or loses and have a little fun. So uh, my first game is number 14, Wake Forest at Clemson, 11 a.m. game. Over-under is 54.5 points, which is probably pretty close to what there's going to be. And Clemson is favored by three and a half because they're at home. Not exactly sure why. Because Wake Forest has got a killer offense, but Clemson's got a pretty damn good defense. So I am predicting that Wake Forest wins this game 24 to 21. What do you think? Yeah, dude, I'm just picking Clemson on this one with a 34 to 31 victory. I think it's going to be a close game, probably back and forth offensive battles. Um, I think that one of the scores that Clemson gets is actually a defensive score. Okay. Like you said, I don't think Clemson's defense is is like fantastic by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, I think that with Wake Forest's kind of high caliber offense, they're kind of, uh, they're pretty loose cannon with their offense, to be honest. Right. They just do some really crazy stuff. And uh, I think Clemson is fighting for, some semblance of hope for the rest of this season. I mean, obviously they're seven and three and we would kill for a seven and three season, but let's just say that it's been underwhelming for right. Clemson to say the least. So, um, and with it being at home for Clemson, I just think that they've managed to scrounge up a victory here. 34, 31 Clemson. All right. Well, that's one of two games that to the two of us differ on. Uh, so one of us either makes up some ground or, we both suck on both those games and neither one of us makes up any ground or gains any ground. So uh, my second game is Oklahoma state number 10 at Texas tech. It's a seven o'clock kick on Saturday night. The over under is 56, which is a pretty good number in my opinion. And Oklahoma state is favored by 10 and a half. I think Oklahoma state gets it done. I think they cover the spread. I think they beat Texas tech 38 to 21 that is a really good oklahoma state offensive line and uh their their quarterback's pretty good at putting the ball where it needs to be in key situations so 38 21 oklahoma state yeah i'm picking oklahoma state as well i think that this game is going to be probably one of those shootout games big big 12 style um just because Texas Tech has proven themselves to be just kind of this weird oddball team this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Texas put 70 up on them, and uh, they only scored 35 points that game. Uh, they've actually been pretty low scoring for the most part of this season, and aside from when they beat Iowa State, which was probably the most points that they've scored this whole season, mm-hmm. 41 to 38, beating Iowa State uh, last week. So, and I think, yeah, they're coming off of a bye week. Uh, no, no, it wasn't last week. It was it was this weekend. My B, my B. Uh, I, I just still think that Oklahoma State wins. It's going to be 52 to 49. I know that's way over. over. That is way (laughs) over. But I'm just, for whatever reason, I just have this feeling that it's just going to be a back and forth uh, kind of butthole pucker for Oklahoma State. (laughs) Um, 
And yeah, no, so, that but I'm still picking Oklahoma good. State. That Oklahoma State defense is pretty good. They're salty, so we'll see. But you could be right because Texas Tech loves that air raid offense. So uh could be a lot of fun to watch. I know I know that's one of the games I will watch on Saturday. Uh um, oh yes. Number twenty five, Arkansas versus number two, Alabama. They're in Tuscaloosa. That's my third game. Two thirty PM over under is fifty nine points. Alabama is favored by twenty one. That's a good number in my opinion. I think Alabama wins it by more than twenty one. I think they take Arkansas forty five to twenty one. Yeah, I'm thinking uh, Alabama wins this game. Uh, I'll just say the score now. I think Alabama wins 42 to 31. Um, so a little bit closer of a game than what Vegas is predicting. And the reason for that is because I think Alabama's uh, defense has found a lot of ways to struggle this year. Um, and I think Arkansas is going to be clawing their way back to I mean they're in the top 25 again but I think that Arkansas is just going to want to show up to Tuscaloosa and play a damn good game is kind of what I'm thinking is going to be uh I don't think that it's going to be a close game throughout the entire game I think that Arkansas is going to be playing from behind the entire time and I I would imagine that seven Mm -hmm. of the 31 points that they score are going to be you know garbage points but um, I'm still expecting it to be a, a good game. So, yep, Alabama 42, Arkansas 31. Sounds well, good. What's your first game? Yeah, so I think that this is probably the uh, not only the big the Big Ten game of the week, hands down. Might be the, um, of the but, year before Michigan yes, anyway. Yes, because if o- Oklahoma, if uh, – Ohio State wants any chance of getting into the college football playoff. Um, oh, seriously? Freaking ad. It was on uh, my ESPN <laughs> thing and the ad started playing. It's all in. good. I can literally sit there on the ESPN thing for like 45 minutes and not touch it. And then out of nowhere, it plays an ad. Yep. Drives me bonkers. Anyway, so... Ohio State, if they want to make it to the college football playoff, they obviously have to win the rest of their games. And I think that this game, aside from playing Michigan at the end of the year, is going to be one of those games where they could find themselves in a pickle. Um, Mm -hmm. But I don't think that they end up in a pickle, to be honest. Uh, Michigan State, while they've looked great this year, I was kind of waiting for them to fizzle out. Um, And I wouldn't be surprised if... uh, Michigan State, oh, let's see, who do they play for the rest of the year? Let me just pull this up really quick just for funsies. Um, do, 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 do. Yeah, so they play uh, Ohio State, and then they cap off their season playing Penn State. They could yep. very well lose out. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm picking Ohio State's win, and I think that they're going to do it for style points. Uh, Michigan State finds a way to be productive on the offense, scoring 21 points. However, I imagine Ohio State wins 52 to 21 with some offensive style points thrown in there to show to the playoff committee playoff committee that they deserve to be in the top four. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Well, I, I'm I'm not as optimistic on Ohio State as you are. Um, Namely, because I think Nebraska gave a blueprint to everybody that plays Ohio State after us as to what to do defensively to kind of slow them down. Uh, 
it, their last opponent didn't do a good job of that, but Michigan State's definitely a step up for them. Um, and I think that defense is good enough to hold Ohio State to 35 points, but I also think the Ohio State defense is good enough to hold uh, Michigan State to 24. So I think Ohio State wins 35 to 24, but Michigan State covers the spread. What's your second game? Second game on my list is number 13, Baylor. They are 8-2 and two on the season right now, and they are going to unranked Kansas State. Kansas State is 7-3 and three on the year. The game is at 4.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. The over-under for this game is 50.5 with Kansas State favored by two points. Wow. And, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> one of those kind of mind-boggling things. I know that K-State has kind of found uh, – a little bit of fire. They found a little yeah. bit of fire um, coming into the back half of their season. And Kansas State looks pretty good with, like, I think their sixth year quarterback. Um, I can't remember what his name is, but he, I feel like he's been there forever at this point. Um, here, let me let me look this up. Where did it go? There you are. It's all the way down the list. Ah, yes. Um, it's Skylar Thompson. I feel yes. like Skylar Thompson has been there for freaking ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. Uh, FPI gives Baylor a fifty five and a half percent chance of winning, but obviously Vegas thinks a little bit different, which it actually just went down. Uh, Kansas State is actually favored by one point, okay. and the spread is still fifty and a half, or the over under is still fifty then. and a half. Yep. Yes. So uh, I imagine Baylor still wins, uh, but by a by more than that obvious spread. Um, so I'm thinking 31-21 Baylor. I'm a little different. I have a little bit more faith in the K-State defense. Uh, the fact that their record is not all that different from Baylor tells me that they've been playing pretty good football, being 7-3, and three, uh, and Baylor's 8-2. and two. Um, I think Baylor wins the game. I think they cover the spread, but I don't think it's anything too exciting. I think it's going to, they put a lot into that Oklahoma game at home. I think they're probably going to be a little whooped (laughs) and then they've got to go on the road to a really tough stadium, but I do believe they pull out the win, but it's not by much. It's 28 to 24. And your third game is, oh, a fun one. Absolute fun one. Yes. So we have... I think I got my rankings mixed up here, or I didn't get them correct, so that's my bad. Um, But it's actually number four. I wrote down number three, but it's number four, Oregon. They're nine and one. Oklahoma or Ohio State move up to three then? Uh, No, actually, I got all these rankings mixed up. Ohio State's actually number five. Um, wow. Oregon's number four. Um, I don't know where I was looking at it. Maybe I was looking at the uh, coaches poll. Yeah, I was looking at the coaches poll. That's okay. my bad. Um, but they, the, the AP top 25 has, has Oregon at number four and, and, uh, Ohio state at number five. Mm-hmm. Uh, so number four, Oregon, they're nine and one, they go to Utah, number 25, Utah, they're seven and three. The game is at six thirty PM central standard time. The over under, let me see, let me just see for kicks and giggles, uh, if they actually updated it. Cause I could not find Vegas numbers for any of this. Um, even on other websites, they were all at least a week old. So 
it looks like they did come out with it. Sweet. So in the past few hours, they did. So the over-under on this is 59, and uh, it looks like Utah is favored by three points. Wow. Um, well, so then I guess uh, – <laughs> I guess I was right because my prediction was uh, 38 to 35. Utah upsets Oregon in their playoff hopes. Um, and that's about it. So let's let go Utes. You know, I want to see Oregon lose just because I still don't like Oregon. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I I get it. I was I know when they played UCLA, I was cheering for UCLA to win, but that didn't happen. Uh, namely because of number five out there on defensive end for the Ducks, unless he's playing on one leg or, uh, they've got six dudes to block him. Thibodeau is going to wreck shit come Saturday night. And, um, I think the Ducks quack him by at least 10 points. So they're going to cover more than cover. They're going to beat him 34 to 24. In my opinion and duck on it, you added an honorary game, which is actually a pretty good one. Actually, a pretty good yes. one uh, because the rankings that I've got on my games, by the way, just for I think DraftKings has any of the rankings that's on DraftKings right now are the college football playoff rankings. Uh, so, like, for example, mine is number three game is number 25, Arkansas versus number two, Alabama. Those are the playoff rankings. Uh, so I'm not sure that on your number three game that even Utah is ranked in the college football playoff at all at number 25. So, yeah, uh, I should, just for, I'll switch it up. I'll switch it up moving but, forward yeah, to number actually three, look at the college Cincy, football I think since he's what five or six right now in the college football playoff. Um, yes. Cause so, I think I wrote that's it down be a great as number game. five. It is. So it's unranked SMU, um, they're eight and four or eight and two on the season, and they're going to Cincinnati, which obviously Cincinnati's undefeated at this point. Um, can Cincy remain undefeated against a formidable SMU squad? This is kind of the game that everybody has kind of circled off on the rest of Cincinnati's season to kind of be like their uh their the hardest game. It's gonna be like the hardest game that they're gonna play. Um, because who do they who do they play at the end of the season? Let's find this really quick. Do, 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 do. I'm so discombobulated. Um, okay, thank you. That's not what I wanted. Yeah, they play Eastern Carolina, which could also be another uh, difficult game for Cincy. But, yep, I don't really – I mean, of course I'm going to pick Cincinnati, but I don't really have a score prediction on it. The over-under is 65. Right. Cincinnati's favored by 12.5 points. I think that Vegas is probably right on that, but I think SMU might make it a little bit closer than 12.5 points. Okay. I think I think you're right. I think, um, well, I think Cincinnati wins by more than 12.5. I really do because they're at home. They're at home, and they play really, really, really well at home. So I think they end up being 11-0. And they give the college football playoff committee something to think about. So uh, that pretty much wraps up our six-pack picks of the week. And uh, plus an honorary game. So um, why don't we move on to the fun stuff, which is our fun fact segment. All right, folks, we're back with a fun facts segment of the week. 
um, where dad and I go over just some fun facts about ourselves, whether it's just about our personality or just whatever it is that we are doing in life at the moment. Uh, it's just little little segment to just to get to know Ken and I a little bit better. Um, so my fun fact about myself is that I love racing games, um, whether it's simulator or just any goofy little racing game. I tend to really like them. Uh, the first ever racing games that I ever played were the original NASCAR Heat and Dirt Track Racing 2, thanks to my dad um, introducing myself and my little brother to those games. Um, and then after a while, we acquired a PlayStation 2, and this opened up a whole new world of racing for myself. Um such as playing Need for Speed Underground 1 and 2, Midnight Club 3, Burnout 3, Gran Turismo 4, Ford Racing 3, and then also some MX versus ATV games thrown in there just for fun. Mm -hmm. uh, these games definitely set the foundation for my love for cars, and I still actually have a few of those games for my old PlayStation that I will occasionally delve into. But now I currently love... The Forza series. Uh, I just got Forza Horizon 5, and I'm going to actually finally play that right after we're done recording. Uh, actually, I don't know if I'll be able to play it now. Uh, we'll see. I'll hop onto it eventually. Um, but yes, it's the newest Forza game that just came out. It's based in Mexico. It's an open world racing game where it has multiple, multiple uh, racing kind of uh, uh uh, shoot, I'm blanking on the terminology. Uh, just different racing uh, modes. There we go. Racing modes. Um, you can drag race. You can do street racing. You can just do long country road racing, uh, off-road racing, just all sorts of fun stuff. And the fact that it's open world just makes it really fun for a car guy like me to pick up a car that I really like, you know, tune it, customize it, do all sorts of fun performance upgrades on it and then just drive endlessly and drift and do all sorts of fun stuff. But um, yeah, I loved getting on Forza with a few friends of mine and doing all sorts of races and just cruising around the giant open world that Horizon provides. Um, I do also love classic track racing sim style games, but until I get a sim racing wheel setup, I just don't think the sim racing platform gets the full experience that I'm looking for if I'm not actually hitting the clutch and mm. maneuvering through all the gears. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's kind of down on my priority list of things that I want to do in life. So eventually I'll probably get one, but until then I'll just kind of stick to these, I guess, less serious versions of racing games. Um, but yeah, I'm legitimately a car guy now because my dad introduced me to racing games at such a young age. And it's crazy to think how far I've come from those early days of gaming. Uh, I'm actually one of the first persons on both sides of my family, immediate side of my family, to be a card guy. Um, aside from my late cousin, Chris, um, who passed away with a heart attack back in February of 2020, um, he always had sweet cars that he would show up with yeah. at family gatherings. Um most notably M performance BMWs and uh, various Porsches. And it was another part of him that I really looked up to. I really looked up to Chris in all sorts of ways, but 
he was the only other car guy that I could uh, relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I most recently acquired a Mazda 3, Mazda Speed 3 hatchback, and it will definitely be a fun project for me to build over time because as a young lad, I used to always look up to young adults who had fun cars, and it's crazy to think that I am now that guy to some kid somewhere. Um, I hope to eventually someday influence my own kids to like cars by introducing them to racing games Mm -hmm. and showing them all the car stuff that I'm doing and to hopefully start a new generation in our family of gearheads. So that's just a fun fact about myself. Very cool. I did not know that showing you uh, NASCAR heat and dirt track racing too would get you into cars like it did. I just like to play on a computer. So, (laughs) but that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um, for me, the fun fact is rather, I don't know, podcast indulgent, if you will, for myself. Our podcast is averaging 300 downloads or three dozen downloads per episode. Wow. 300 would be awesome. Uh, <laughs> most podcasts don't actually get beyond seven episodes uh, because the hosts get discouraged and quit due to low download, download numbers. Our average of three dozen downloads per episode puts us in literally the top 50% of all podcasts out there, period. Um, Doesn't sound like much, but there's a ton of podcasts out there. So if you're getting three dozen downloads among all the people that are out there doing Husker podcasts, that's pretty cool. So right now, our total downloads are at 792. Our most downloaded show, just for fun is our first episode uh, with 55. Our second most popular show with 49 downloads is episode 10 called WTF, where we covered the (laughs) Illinois debacle. Uh, (laughs) And what's interesting is most of our shows covering the games themselves have gotten at least 40 downloads each, which is really awesome. But once we actually split and decided to do two shows a week, our numbers have dropped about five or six per show average. So... Uh, which is fine. I'm willing to do that just because I think it's better to have more content than less. Um, yes. So in our least downloaded show with a whopping 18 downloads is episode five, expanding the playoff, which goes to show that Nebraskans are just sick and freaking tired of fat white dudes with expensive booze deciding the fate of young 18 to 21 year olds as to whether they're going to be in a playoff or not. And quite frankly, knowing that Nebraska is not likely to get to that level for a while is probably why we didn't hear a whole lot of, didn't have a whole lot of downloads. Now, you know what? I I can hear Matthew McConaughey saying those numbers are rookie numbers. You need to pump those numbers up, but you know, I'm really proud of what we've accomplished. And I think expanding our brand here in the near future into live streaming and doing some round table discussions with other Husker podcasts and Husker fans will hopefully get us a larger audience. So that's my fun fact is our podcast is doing well enough. It's in the top 50% of all podcasts out there. And to me, Mm -hmm. that is absolutely worth the effort that we're putting in. Um, And thank you to our steady Eddie audience of 36 people that download us every single week. Um, And if you happen to be brand new to our show today, uh, we'd like to encourage you to find us out there on the web. Uh, it's genredpod.com, and that's the website where you can listen to, download, and subscribe to the show. So make sure you get there, 
find your favorite podcast app to uh, subscribe to us in. And then if you want to find us on social media, we're at facebook.com slash genredpod, where you can play the plus minus game along with us. I will post the Wisconsin plus minus as soon as we get done recording. Um, and also you can find us on Twitter at genredpod dot or at just genredpod, not genredpod.com. That's the website. Don't mind me. Uh, it's been a long day. <laughs> and then uh, when you want to actually watch us do our live stream, which we're hoping to start either at the end of December or in the beginning of January, our YouTube channel is Generation Red Live. Uh, so make sure you're subscribed and ring that bell. So anytime we go live or post new video content, which hopefully I will get some content up there in the next uh, few weeks. Uh, you will get notified by YouTube as soon as that comes through. And if you want to be a part of one of those live streams in the off-season called the Big Red Roundtable, make sure you send us your name on our email address at genrpodcast.com, where you can also leave us any comments, questions, or suggestions for the show. We will entertain any and all of those. Anyway, doggone it. You guys are awesome. This has been a fun episode to do, even though we think we're maybe lambs being led to the slaughter in Camp Randall. I'm just hoping not. I'm hoping this this uh, team continues to put up a fist fight every single week here on out. And uh, for Scott and myself, uh, we are the Generation Red Podcast, and we're here to remind you that we don't give six craps from Sunday what their record is. Iowa's corn just plain sucks. And there really is no place like Nebraska. And go Big Red. And go Big Red for the future. And go Big Red for this coming weekend. Absolutely. We don't need no stinking badgers. (laughs) (laughs) This podcast is not associated in any official capacity with the University of Nebraska or the Cornhusker football team. All opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts alone and are intended for entertainment purposes only. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. Stay sweet and salty and go Big Red. Go Big Red.